The following audio content is a talk given at The Inn, a college ministry of University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website at www.upc.org forward slash university. We invite you to join us each Tuesday at 9 p.m. on the corner of 47th and 16th in Seattle's U District. All right, I want to introduce you to a man that has become a good friend of mine over the past couple years, uh, a guy that I sh- uh, am on staff with here at UPC. I first met him through, through his, truly his better half. Uh, he has, he's been married to Shannon for what, about nine or ten years now? Ten years, all right. And uh, he, has, he has two, uh, we might call energetic or enthusiastic sons in Noah and Caleb. He holds a Master's of Divinity from Regent College, which is up in Vancouver. And he, he's now the young adults pastor here at UPC. So for those of you that are going to be graduating in a few weeks uh, and are looking to connect to community, John will be somebody that I hope you will find to be a great pastor and uh, resource, but he's not just a young adult pastor. His background is actually in college ministry. He worked at the inn in Bellingham uh, for several years. So he still has a passion for college students, certainly young adults, and I'm excited that you get to hear from him tonight. So please give a warm in welcome to my friend and colleague, Mr. John Epps. Well, thank you. It is good to be here. I do love college ministry. I love what I do, um, but this is all right, too. Um, it's fun to be with you guys. I, I, uh, I do have a couple of boys, and in some ways, you know, we're, we're in this disciplines thing. It's, it's uh, I'll come back around to that, but I, I need that for my boys. Okay, I love my boys. They're great, but my boys are, uh, Ryan was very uh, nice. He was very political. He was very, uh, they are, they're wild, Okay. They got some action. I was, they, you, and I love that though too. You know, because I don't want to. I don't want to restrict them. I, I want them to grow up. I want them to be strong. Uh, but right now, we got to focus them in the right direction. We have this little guy, Caleb, and and we named him after uh, the biblical character of Caleb. And and if you know anything about Caleb, he he is bold. He is one of. They were about to go into the promised land. That the, the people of Israel, they were about to go to the promised land, and then they realized that there were big guys in there, and they got all scared, except for Caleb and Joshua. Caleb was like, "We can take them. Come on. Yeah, I know they're huge. I know we look like grasshoppers. We can take them, right?" They end up not. They end up wandering around because they're too scared. They end up wandering around the desert for forty years. Joshua and Caleb are the only ones that get to go into the promised land. Caleb, eighty years old, he's the guy. He says, "Give me the hardest assignment. I'll take it." All right. That's and I don't know. I don't know if this guy. I don't know what happens with names, but I think that got passed on because this little guy he will do anything. I mean, he has no fear. I we find him all like I found him ten feet up hanging in the tree. Like you know, I went just in the backyard. He's hanging in the tree in the front yard. Help! <laughs> ten feet up. He's a sweet kid, but he came. Shannon was uh, playing at McDonald's. He gets tired. He gets a little. When he gets tired, he gets a little uh, aggressive. Don't we all? Come on. You do. You get, get grouchy. Well, there's a bigger kid, you know, and he was, bigger kids don't mean anything to him. He was kind of pushing around. He was, he was a pain. He was not nice. And Caleb, just, he just will not put up with that. So eventually, he just gets fed up. He comes flying down the tubes. And he's like this. 
in the tubes, fists up, fists of cuffs. He comes shooting out of the tube, lands, boom, right in the kid's face. He's going to take this guy down. Shannon immediately swoops in and grabs him and, and, and picks him up. And I don't know what possessed her to say this. But she said, Caleb, we only use our power for good. <laughs> you know, we use our power for good. I mean, she just is setting herself up, right? So she picks up Caleb and goes, this is done. We got to go. So he's like swinging, right? She's holding him out like this. He's like swinging. Caleb's response? No. I'm going to use my power to punch him. <laughs> yep, that's what I'm going to do. They're great. I love them. They're a lot of fun. Hey, I, I tell that story in some ways to get us started because when we start talking about disciplines, it, it immediately, I, I know what a lot of you think, and you're like, oh, boring, and I don't want to do it. Failure. Okay, I should do it. I don't want to do it. I don't really know why I'm doing it. And so you and I, we just got to get on the same page here on a, on a number of things. Because if we don't get the whole purpose behind disciplines, yes, boring. Yes, failure. Yes, why would I ever try to do them? What I just told you about Caleb, it has something to do with it. It has about channeling the strength. I think sometimes when we think about this, we have to get on the same page on what God actually wants for you. And some of us, we might have grown up in the church, but we might have different ideas about what God actually wants for us. See, I know you just did this whole strength and weakness, and I know what I'm saying is not going to contradict what you heard. But we got to get crystal clear when we start talking about disciplines, about what God wants for you. He does not want you to be weak. He wants you to be strong. He longs for that more than anything else. He does not want you to be a child. He wants you to be a man or a woman. He does not want you to be in slavery. He wants you to be free. He does not want to stifle your sexuality. He wants to release it. He does not want to ruin your relationships. He wants to build them on a solid foundation. We're doing a whole series on, uh, on relationships and marriage right now. And I know for some of you, you look in and you look at something like marriage. And we all want to get married. Many of us do anyways. Some of you will. Some of you won't. But a lot of us long for those relationships. And yet, we look forward. We go, how? from what my own experience, from what I, I see in the people in my life, my friends that have gone before me, what I see out in culture, how do I know that it's going to last? I want it to. I don't think it is. He doesn't want to limit your vocation, but he wants to build you for impact in the world. He doesn't want you to be weak, dependent, blown this way or that by the winds of culture and circumstances that are out of your control, always nervous about what's going to happen. He wants you to be strong, able to withstand the mightiest of storms in your life. See, we we, we got to get this because I... We have a role to play in this. God longs for this for your life, and yet we have a role to play in our lives. And I think, man, we, we want strength. I mean, none of us want to be weak. We want strength, and yet the truth is that we choose weakness again and again and again. We're not that different. I mean, it's not like this is a, particular, this is a thing in this moment right now. This is a thing that's been going on from the very beginning. 
See, Paul, in the book of Colossians, he's writing to this church, and, and they've gotten off track. See, they, the gospel came to them. They, they heard about Jesus. They accepted it. It, was, it accepted them into, into their life. It was great. It was fun. And yet the church is getting screwy. Something is getting messed up. See, he writes it. If you look in the second, if you look in the second chapter of Colossians, you can go there sometime on your own or go there if you have your Bibles with you tonight. But he starts saying, you you guys are chasing after weakness. Do you realize that? You're choosing weakness. See, they're they're chasing after all kinds of stuff. Yes, it was Christ. And yet, they heard all these other people say, well, yeah, if if you really want to grow to some strength, if you really want to be successful, if you really want to make it, you need all this other stuff. And so, they're going, well, you need to be circumcised. If not circumcised, you need to be forgiven. See, you're not really forgiven. You need to do some more things to be forgiven. And by the way, we'll tell you what those are. You gotta have a strict view on food. You gotta go to the right festivals. You gotta make sure to deny yourself of certain things, certain uh, uh, actions. By the way, you haven't really made it until you've actually had an experience uh, of talking to the angels and you've had crazy visions. And so there's all this stuff. Don't touch this. Do touch this. You know, on and on and on and on and on. If you do these things, then you'll be complete. Then you'll grow to strength. See, we too, we, we long for that. It's not, like, it's not like we long for weakness. We long to, to, to not be complete. We long for that. And yet, sometimes what, what happens is we get off track. And it's not because we don't want to work hard, right? I mean, all of us. When we see something we want, we will go after it. We'll put in the time. Now you say, anything that you see that you need, I mean, you'll do what it takes to get the grade. Right? You see that certain guy, that certain girl, you'll, you'll primp up plenty. Am I right? I mean, you'll, you'll do what it takes to, to, to get attractive if you think that's what will build me into a place where I can get the thing that I, that, that I actually Want. So it's not that we're not willing to do the work or, or, or that we're lazy. It's Some of us just don't know. We're not really sure. We're not even sure what God really wants for us. We know that, yeah, He came into my life. It's going to pay off someday. But what does He want for right now? And does, does Jesus actually make a difference right now in the nitty-gritty stuff that I need when I'm getting battered around? See, we're surrounded by all kinds of options that tell us what it looks to be looks like to be successful and and we want a life that matters we want relationships that are strong we we want a love that lasts we want that and we will do whatever we can to get it but see what paul he's looking at this church and he's going you guys you're choosing weakness see this is huge christ has called you to a huge into a huge story, and yet your story has gotten reduced to, well, my vision is better than your vision. It's gotten reduced to, I'm somehow better than you. Or I don't, oh, you do that, I don't do that. You eat that, oh, I don't eat that. Oh, you haven't had that experience? Yeah, I, I have. It's ended up getting, their story has gotten reduced to this lame deal. It's about what I have and what you don't have. They're not moving anywhere. They're not really going anywhere. They're just trying to simply build themselves up. It's, a, it's this 
ancient version of keeping up with the Joneses. As long as I got something and you don't got, then we're good. And that's what my life is about. Sad. Well, how does uh, Paul go about it? He, he, he doesn't go at it. He doesn't start hammering him. He doesn't start, well, you've got to stop doing this. You've got to do this. You've got to spend six hours in prayer. I mean, he doesn't go on and on and on about all the things that they should do or hammer them for what they're, that they're not doing. He pulls back and he goes, here's the problem is that their vision is too small. And our actions always come out of what we believe about ourselves. So he pulls them back and in Colossians 1, we're we're just going to race through this a little bit. Because what he's going to do is he's going to take them on a ride before he starts talking about implications. for Because they've got to get the motivation right. Because, see, they think all this stuff is just about kind of acquiring. They're coming from a place where they go, I'm deficient. I, I don't have what it takes. So I've got to somehow acquire, possess, get something, and then I'll be okay. So he begins, and he begins in, in Colossians 1, and, and he's going he's gonna to expand. Again, he's trying to expand them out, expand them out, expand them out. He says, all over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit. This is in, beginning in verse 6. All over the world, the, the, the gospel that has come to you is bearing fruit and growing it, just as it has been doing among you. In other words, here's, here's the thing. I'm going to rejoice what is going on in your life. It, it, it is awesome. But, but it's not just your personal experience. It's not about just kind of what, what you got. It's not your own little deal. It's bigger than you. It's blowing up all over the world. And it's bearing real fruit. It's a life that is not just productive, not just busy. It's actually really bearing fruit. And he goes, here's the deal. I'm glad that, you, that you, that gospel has come to you. But I'm not done with you. There's more. There's way more. He goes on and he says, My prayer for you, beginning in verse 9, For this very reason, since the day we heard about you, is that we have not stopped praying for you and asking that God would fill you with the knowledge of His will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. We pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord. He says, it's gospel, it's not a one-time deal. I want you to live a life worthy of the Lord. I want you to keep growing in the knowledge of God. Because a life worthy of the Lord is not a life that you, you do. And this is sometimes the problem. And I know Jamie's talked about this and others have talked about this. When we think about disciplines, we think it's about if I do the right stuff, God will finally accept me. If I do the right stuff, God will even give me what I want, which is not true. It is about this sense of I want you to grow to be to have a life that is worthy of the power that has been released on your behalf. You don't earn God's salvation. You're not earning. That's when these things go wrong. You're not earning anything. He said, there's a power at work in you, and I want to see you live into it. Because here's a life that's worthy of the Lord. You have this huge call. Don't live a sad little story. Don't live a story that is simply about someone acquiring or somehow just trying to trick somebody into to liking you. And then, then you can get married and then you're going to be okay. And, or get the right job. And then you get in the right job and you realize your life still sucks. He says, look, I want this to work out because a life worthy of the Lord looks like this. As we go down, you, you can circle some of these things. It's a life that is fruitful. There's actually stuff happening. In your life. It's fruitful. Again, it's not packed. It's not full. It's not busy. It's fruitful. It's bearing 
things that are blessing you and blessing the community around you. It's strengthened by God's mighty power. Your life is marked by strength. A strength that goes beyond simply what you can do. It's a life that is steadfast. It is a life that is marked by patience. It is life that is full of joy and thanksgiving for what God has done. See what he's saying? Look, you're running after things because you think you're deficient, and yet God wants you to live a life. You're not living a life worthy of this great story you've been called into, this huge story that goes beyond you, that is at work all over the world. You're living this petty little life. I want you to have, I want you to know strength and patience and steadfast. You're the kind of person that nothing can knock over. He says, as you walk in this, as you, as you walk in this, and God begins to do a work in your life, and it, it gets, you're growing in the strength of that. You're also part of God's cosmic plan of redemption. See, it's not just, he's going to burn it up someday. Maybe some of you guys have heard this. You know, he's going to burn it up someday, and then there'll be heaven. But in the meantime, he doesn't really care. And he's saying, look, I'm doing my work of redemption right now. I, it matters. Issues of justice and injustice matter to me. Issues of the way that we, we treat each other and we, we treat the creation around us, it matters to me. The way you do business matters to me. The way you practice medicine matters to me. That you build a well in Africa matters to me. See, I'm about bringing all things back into right relationship, the way they were created to be, and you get to get caught up and be a part of that. See, your life is to be pulled on a trajectory a trajectory that is caught up in the redemption and the restoration of absolutely everything. See, Paul's saying, before we get into anything about what you should do and not do, you've got you to put your eye, you've got to bring your eyes higher. You've got to see what God has called you into because your vision has gotten too small. You're arguing over who has the best angel vision and nobody cares, honestly. So here's the thing, the main thing as we think about, I encourage you guys to think about, as we think about the disciplines is this, is that you are designed for strength. You are designed for strength. So Paul will go on and he'll say, look, I'm pouring out everything that I might present you perfect or complete in Christ. We've got to talk about this word, it's a Greek word, it's, it's this word teleos. It's a word that I've come to love. And teleos means it has to do with kind of the, the end of things. What, where, is something that, where is something actually headed? You are designed to be complete in Christ. Uh, other places, um, Jesus has used this in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, you, you need to be perfect like your heavenly Father is perfect. We can hear that and we can go, oh man, great. Another set of things that I need to do. I've I got to somehow, i got to pray, i got to read the Bible right, i got to... I gotta go to church all the time. I gotta never have a bad thought. I gotta never lust. I gotta never be angry. And on and on and on. You think that's what God's called me to be. Well, that's not fun. I mean, that's just drudgery. You know, that's not what this word is describing. This word is describing that, that, that you are called to be whole and complete and strong. That you are called to have the character of your heavenly Father in you. I have a couple huge pine trees in my yard um, that when the winds blow is where my house is going to get destroyed. Um, 
but it drops all these pine cones. I picked some of these up around UW. And there's these little pine cones, right? The telos of this is for it to be a pine tree. Right? It would be sad if this never grew into a pine tree. It would never accomplish what was it was designed for. So when we start talking about that God has called us to be complete, or that Paul talks about that we are to be made complete in Christ, it, it is for us to not remain a baby pine cone. As nice as it is, you can make decorations with it, you can hang it on your Christmas tree, you could, I don't know, do all kinds of crappy crafts with it, I guess. Uh, that's not what it's designed to do. It's designed to be a huge tree. It's designed to be the kind of tree that, that can withstand any wind. That can even withstand fire at times. It, it, it is to grow into something that, that is strong, that can withstand drought. See, for you and I, our end, our, our, our telos is that we would grow into full maturity, that we would become men and women. People who are not swept away by every passing fad. People who don't run after every marketing campaign that says, you need this. People who can withstand difficult times in our lives. So what I want to do when we start thinking about that God has called us to strength is that we start blowing up this idea of disciplines to be about what we are dedicating, what we are giving ourselves to within life. Uh, this is just a little bit of a tangent, but I felt like, felt like I need to share this with you guys. Because here's the deal. A life that is looking, uh, a life of discipline is not necessarily just what we do, but sometimes how we take on life. There are some pine cones. Some of you guys know this. I'm not, a, I'm not an expert or anything. But there are some pine cones that the only way that they're going to be fruitful is if they go through the fire. Only when there's a forest fire hot enough that usually will wipe out most of the vegetation, will pine cone and the seeds that are in it get released and open up. And when it does, life flows out of it like crazy. For some of us, we wonder, you know, we wonder what, what are we supposed to do with this hard stuff? And does God bring in hard stuff? No. Is there power in hard stuff? Should we seek out hard stuff? Should we seek out suffering? No. But some of you right now are, are, are maybe even wondering, does God even care about me? Or what am I even supposed to do about this stuff in my life that's just junk? There's no other way to say it. Well, when we begin to, to look at how can I begin to move to strength, that God can even use the difficult things in your life. It could be a discipline that is given to you. As we don't say, well, it's all about me suffering, that that's what matters. But it's about me saying, how can I see God at work in the midst of suffering? So, so that at some point in your life, on the other side of this thing, if you hold on, because I know that some of you are going through difficult times, and you will go through difficult times. All of us do. At some point, you will think, you know what, at one point, I had a nightmare. If this happened, I don't know how I would survive. And yet on the other side of that, you will be a stronger person because you'll know, guess what, I can. God is faithful, even in the midst of the things that might have been a nightmare for me. It happens with marriages. 
At some point, you, you, you get in a fight and you realize when you begin to hold on it within the context of, of a covenant and a commitment to one another, you go, just because we have a fight doesn't mean that we're going to break apart. Just because we go through a difficult financial time doesn't mean that this thing's going to break apart. And on the other side of it, you go, I'm a stronger person for it. There's nothing that can break us. God's faithfulness is not just within this room or within church activities or, or, or on church on Sunday. No, God's faithfulness shows up when you don't have a job. When your friends have left you. When you're not sure where your next paycheck is coming. That's when you know that God is truly faithful. That there's a power at work in your life that you have, have never even conceived before. Disciplines are also about, though, what we can do. See, it's God's work in our life, and yet God has called us to to be a part of it, too. And it's funny when we come to spiritual things, because, see, sometimes we have this idea that life should be totally different. There's a different set of rules for life, and then then you have your spiritual life, and and they don't connect. And it doesn't often make sense. I went to a a baseball game. the uh, Texas Rain. I'm not a baseball fan, all right? So don't come up and talk to me about sports afterwards. <laughs> all right. I, I love baseball. I love going out. I love hanging out. But there's a couple guys that I, I, a couple guys that I, I walk with this year that are in discipleship group with me. And we, for one of the guys' birthdays, we went out and he wanted to see an M's game. And so we got these great tickets. And uh, it was the M's with the, uh, versus the Rangers. And, and it was a great game. And, and, and uh, Cliff Lee was throwing a, a, an awesome game. And it was, it was, it was great. And I actually have been, I've been to a few um, Mariners games, and um, again, I just I usually I enjoy it, but it's like I'm not I'm not checking all the stats, I'm not following, totally following everything that's going on. I'm just enjoying it. But it was a good, it was a great game. It was one of the best games I've seen. Usually, there's not a lot of excitement. I guess it all depends on where the Mariners are at at a particular time. But this time, it was great. We got to the ninth inning, and still there had been uh, nobody had put anything on the boards. It, there, there was. It was still zero zero. And the problem is that the, the M's were doing a great job with defense, but they, they couldn't actually score. So it continued on, and, and as we went on, they, they actually started getting on base. And they, they packed the bases. And we're just thinking, this is it. This is like it was like the bottom of the tenth, I think. We're thinking it's going to happen. It's going to happen. They're going to win this thing. It's going to be a great game. They're going to make it happen. Base is loaded. They strike out. They can't. They can't do it. I mean, everybody, the whole, everybody down at Safeco Field was standing up and cheering and clapping. I've never been to a game that's like that. Usually it's like, oh, all right. <laughs> all right? So all of a sudden I'm becoming a baseball fan. So we're up there and people are excited and they're, and they're clapping and they're cheering. And it's like, oh, it's so frustrating. So one morning, it's the 11th. We pack it again. The bases are low. We pack it again. And, and, and then there's this guy, Eric Burns, who gets up to bat. Yeah, some of you follow that game. And we think, if we can just, if we can just get any, if we can get anything, if we just get one point, we win this thing. So it, it, each year is on third. And, and, and look, you know, turns out that the play is going to be that he's going to try to steal home. All Eric Burns has to do is just connect with the ball. That's all he's got to do. 
You don't have to hit it hard. You just have to connect with it, right? So we're up. We're cheering. We're like, this is it. It's going to be awesome. Right? And then at the last minute, he's, he's going to go into bump, but he pulls, but he pulls back. Basically selling Ichiro out because Ichiro is always running with everything he can. He's totally sold out. We, we, lose the, we lose the game. He strikes out. It's just like, it's one of those things where everybody was like, mouths wide open. What? One of the guys in the, in the group sent me an ESPN article um, a couple days later. Where this guy actually said, this has to be the worst at-bat in Major League history. <laughs> I don't want to overreact. I don't want to be a hyperbolic, but this may have been the worst at bat in Major League history. I'm serious. Just to, he just go. It's like really. It, it, how could this have possibly happened? Well, the reason I bring this up is not to beat up on Eric Burns, who's not playing for the Mariners anymore, <laughs> incidentally. But I, but I think what happens for us is that we feel like in our spiritual lives that we get to this point where we we feel like. It should just happen. We don't necessarily have to put any work into it, or, or there's nothing that we do. And sometimes we get confused because we hear it's God's grace only that is really at work in your life. You don't work for it. It's not works. And, and, but, so we don't really know what to do. And so there's a sense when there are these moments where we feel like we're up and we're at bat. And we just know we're going to tank it. So you guys know what that's been like. You feel like you, you, you want to step out on faith, or, or, or you want to take that risk, and you get... You just feel like, gosh, I'm going to strike out every time I get up. Well, and part of the reason is because you, have not, you haven't done any work whatsoever to even begin to move, to learn how to bat, to be able to connect with the ball when it comes to our spiritual lives. And so it's not that you have to somehow earn it or do it, but it's how do I put myself in a position to begin to, to, begin to, to, to place myself in a place where I can see God's at work in my life. It's placing ourselves in God's power. It's not about trying harder. It's simply about training ourselves. Training ourselves to begin to to, to depend, to listen, to risk, to trust. See, when we think about some of the disciplines, it's not about particular disciplines. Jesus hammers on this in the Sermon on the Mount because he says, Look, don't get up and you think that fasting, it's all about fasting. And so you fast, but you're not doing it for your heavenly father. You're doing it so everyone can see. He's not saying don't fast, but he's just saying you're mistaking stuff here because the whole point is in fasting or in giving, tithing. But the whole point is that you are bringing yourselves before your heavenly father and he's able to begin to do a work in your life. If you think it's about fasting... You've missed the point. It's not that you're making me angry. It's just that you missed the point. Dallas Willard, who's done a lot of work in this particular area, and I'd encourage any of you who want to follow up with some of this to to look at some of the work that he's done. I was at a a conference recently, and he was talking about disciplines, and he said, look, here's the deal with the disciplines. It's doing what is in your control that will give you the strength to do what is out of your control. The disciplines, really, they could be anything in which you are using your agency, using what you can do to put your, uh, doing what is in your control that will give you the strength to do what is out of your control. 
And in this, there's a lot of freedom. It's a freedom to not figure it out because you're not a slave to a particular style of Bible reading. You're not a slave to a particular style of prayer because it's not the prayer. It's not the thing that matters. It's the fact that you're doing, you're putting yourself into a place where God can begin to train you to be, begin to do a work in you so that you can do what is out of your control. If you think about never playing baseball, you never played baseball in your life. It's ridiculous to get up and think that you're going to be able to knock it out of the park in a Major League Baseball game the first time you take a swing. And yet sometimes we feel like, well, we just God, we hope God shows up. Well, what you can do is you can begin to, to go and take swings and do batting practice. And eventually, your body motion is just going to work in such a way that you're going to be able to connect with the ball. It's the same in our lives when we think about how do we begin to move towards strength. Think about this. If you, some of you will be in a position where you're going to be looking uh, to hear God's will for your life. If you've never prayed, if you've never actually, if you don't know what God's will is in Scripture, the, the things that He does say, if you've never taken any time to be silent whatsoever, how are you going to know what God's voice sounds like? If you've never actually taken any time to listen. So here's the thing. You guys got these... You guys got these uh, Little sheets, and if you don't have one, pick one up on the way out. A couple questions for you. You can answer them at another, at another time, or you can begin to jot them down tonight. But it, first is just simply say, what do you believe God wants for you? Because that's going to make all the difference in the world on how you approach things like disciplines. Whether you think God actually wants to begin to build you towards strength now, or if it's just he doesn't really care. And so that you're going to have to try to get whatever you can to get the things that you desire. The second question is this though, is what is one area that you know you need to grow? What's one area? Gosh, I'm selfish. Uh, I'm horrible at prayer. I have no idea what God's word says outside of what people tell me or what speakers say. Uh, I don't like to risk. I, I never, in fact, I never risk. I, I'll never even walk up to someone or engage in, in conversation. Um, And go on and on. What is it for you? What's the one thing in which you know you need to grow? And then what's the next right thing that you can do to move towards strength? So here's the thing. Anything in your life can be a discipline. When you think about it as the next right thing that you can do to move towards strength. A discipline, honestly, is a mission trip. A mission trip is a discipline. It's a discipline in, in which you say, I, I don't know what's going to happen, but I can sign up. And then when you're down there, and those of you who have been on deputation or you've been on a mission trip, you know that God does something in you outside of your control. But you can sign up. That's your, that's your part. A, a discipline is joining a community group or a small group or a core group. Saying, I don't really know how to begin to, to reach out and build community. And yet, you can sign up and simply say, I will be there each week. And then God will do something in the midst of that that is beyond your control. For some of you, you, don't, you have a hard time praying. You don't know what it looks like to, to listen to God. Take five minutes and just go for a walk and be quiet. Okay, I'm, I'm an active person. I, I'm don't, it's hard for me to sit still very long. A lot of the way that I do prayer... It's not like I have a particular mode, but sometimes I just need to go for a walk. 
So for some of you, what you can do is you can begin to go for a walk for five minutes and simply say, I don't know what it means to listen to you. I have no idea what they're talking about when they, when they say that people heard you or heard God say, or, or, or I'm listening. One thing you can do, and then God will begin to work in the midst of that. Do you know that you're cynical and critical? Be, lead out. Just say, well, here, one thing I can do, I can, I can call it one good thing. And my roommates or the people that I go to, classmates or, or places where I work. One good thing. One good thing that you can do. And then ask God, will you lead me forward in the midst of that? Do you know, as much as you would like to say not, you're actually captured by money. Okay? You know that you are so fearful around money. And there maybe there's good reason for it because in your life you haven't had a lot. But you know that you're captured by money. You're, you're so afraid of not having it. Here's your discipline. You can't get rid of the fear, but you can give money away. See, tithing, whether it's at a church or, or, or to a particular organization, tithing is as much about you and what it does for you and the freedom that it can bring for you as you say, look, here's the deal. I got 20 bucks in my wallet. Okay, I am so afraid of what's going to happen. I never feel like I have enough. Here's the deal. When a plate goes by, I throw it in. Because that is not my God. God can begin to work in the midst of that and begin to free you from, from fear. You see what I'm saying? Every, every little thing. For me, sometimes, honestly, it's just it's driving in the morning. It's saying, I, I have no idea. Some of you feel like, okay, I have no idea what it means to hear God. Just put a little silence in your life. And sometimes I got about a 15, 20 minute drive. Okay, I got two kids that wake me up in the morning and I usually am working late. Okay, I don't, I'd love to tell you that my mornings, I get up at five in the morning and I have a quiet time, but I don't, right? Not possible. But what I can do is it comes later in the day for me, but I also, as I come in and I drive, I just say, Lord, what do you, what do you have for me today? What do you want for me today? Open my eyes so that I'm not just seeing my stuff. What do you want from me today? Any little thing. Psalm 37. It's a psalm I've, I've come to love recently. Some of you guys know this. It gets, it gets quoted a lot. I think probably misquoted a lot, but quoted a lot. It says this, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy a safe pasture. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord and trust in him, and he will do this. Ultimately, the disciplines, or how we think about an approach of life in which we include disciplines in our action, is really how do we place ourselves in a situation so that we can delight in the Lord. So that we can be mastered by nothing, money or power or, or, or the affection of other people or, or that somehow I, I, I need this or I need this person for me to be okay and to mean something. For me to simply say, what can I do so that I can delight in the Lord? Because here's the deal, you guys, we're called to strength, and yet so many of us, a lot of times, we're, we're, we're choosing weakness and we're living in weakness, and, and yet... The people in this room, you guys, are unbelievable. 
God thinks you're unbelievable. He has designed every single one of you to move into a place of strength, to live a big story, to not be about simply getting some stuff someday or somehow proving that you're better than uh, other people or better than your neighbor or better than than the joker in the cubicle next to you as you, you move in. He's called you on a trajectory of strength because when you move in that trajectory, you begin to change the trajectory of churches and cities and the world. Because you're not consumed with a small story. You're captured by a big story. And you're not doing it perfect every day. But you're moving step by step. And saying, God, I want more of you. More of what you are doing in my life. I'm completing you. How do I begin to live a little bit closer? So that I I can live worthy of you. It finishes up, he says, you'll do this. And this is the thing. A lot of times we think, delight in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way. Great. And we usually think, and that means I get something. Okay? I get the desires of your heart. And yet, what we read in the Psalms is that he will do this. This is David talking. He'll do this. He'll make your righteousness shine like the dawn, the justice of your cause like the noonday sun. In other words, he's going to say, I'm going to turn you into a person whose wisdom and judgment and life are like the sun that cannot be denied. It is like the dawning of a new day. It's going to be a breath of fresh air to those around you. You're designed for strength. Stop moving in directions in which you're ultimately choosing weakness. Place your energy... In such a way that you can grow towards completion. The completion that God has begun in your life. And he will do amazing things in and through and in spite of you. Lord, thanks for your word. Thanks that you... um, Thanks that you have not left us alone. Thanks that you have called us to a story and and to be... to a story that is bigger than ourselves, that is impossible for us to ultimately fulfill. Thank you that you've, you have called us that you, to be people that are stronger than we can be on our own. More complete than we can be on our own. You've called us to be the kind of people who, who, who cannot be knocked over. Who are not swept by the winds of culture and change and our friends and, and the stuff that we're in, but, but people who begin to actually change the tide. Lord Jesus, I, I pray for each and every one of us that, that, that you begin to do a work in us to open our eyes to how, what we can actually do right now, today. Not to win your approval, but simply to, to push into you. What's the one thing, the simple thing that we can do that you'll take and you'll transform it and in the meantime transform us. Pray this all in your name. Amen.